0: Yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Pete Forcey, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We got a pretty good show lined up for you. A little quick one after a conference title game. Not the best weekend as far as football. Not the best conference title weekend. You know, it was solid. Chiefs, real excited for them. Arrowhead, uh, spent some time in Kansas City. Great fan base, totally deserve it. Organization. Uh, first class, you know a lot of people over there still, uh, really happy for them. But the game overall, you know, kind of went as I expected. I'll dive into that. Had a real dud in the NFC. I mean, that was just bad. So not too much to touch on there, but we will talk about it. And then, of course, peel back the Super Bowl, uh, really get into that next week. So a quicker show, but got to talk about the Hall of Fame. Got that on the background right now. Got to talk about Nolan Arnato. He's been a popular trade target for the St. Louis Cardinals. He speaks out against his current team, the Colorado Rockies. And, yeah, we'll talk about South Beach and the Super Bowl. They're playing hosts. We'll dive right in. It's episode 34 of the podcast. Well, we got to start in Kansas City, which, what an atmosphere. Arrowhead Stadium. If you haven't been, and I was fortunate enough to work with, For the Kansas City Chiefs, I worked on the business side for the 2018 season, and I got to go to every game, experience Arrowhead. Probably, you know, just from looking afar from every other place, it's got to be top three stadium atmospheres in the NFL, 70,000 people. pretty sure they had like 50 this past year for a preseason game. Place is loud. Tailgate is, you know, just 1,000 yards each way. You know, South End, North End, East, West. It's, it's really incredible. And, you know, they really deserve what they got here. From a fan base perspective, from an organizational perspective, the players, coaches, executives, they all deserve it. Um, been pouring through social media. A lot of people are happy. From the people that I know there, the people that I work. Uh, hats off to them. They built a great team. They won the game and they're down in South Florida, at least here soon. But... I couldn't help but think they won it in a way that maybe you didn't quite expect going into the game Sunday, and it just proves that they have a lot to look forward to because they got the baddest dude on the planet. Patrick Mahomes won the game, really, with that 27-yard touchdown because he rushed for, I think it was, 53 yards, 8 carries... And it really just pivoted the game. It wasn't his arm. It wasn't spectacular throws before that. It was him waddling for first down after first down. The Tennessee Titans were scared to death of him throwing it over their heads that he said, okay, fine. I'll just run for six. I'll run for nine. I'll pick up a first down. We'll move the chains, and then we'll go from there. It's what's so incredible about him. He has every physical gift out there, yet he's so disciplined to take what the defense gives him. He has the mental capacity to know who's going to be open at such a young age. He's 24 years old, and he's playing like the baddest dude on the planet, like he is. This game was simple. Tennessee Titans could not play any other way than from ahead through opening up throws from play action. By running Derrick Henry into the ground and effectively, because it stopped becoming effective. I got worried for a second. I got pretty worried with Steve Spagnolo. I said, Are you going to sell out at any point? Because that's the only way they can win. If they throw it over your head, Steve, it doesn't matter. If they score seven points, let them score fast. That way the clock isn't burnt. Because right now, if you let nine minute drives, I was infuriated that he was letting this happen. After the nine minute drive with Henry, I go, This is how you lose. This is how you lose. Letting them score seven points and then leaving no time. If they score seven points fast, it doesn't matter. You got the baddest dude in the NFL quarterbacking you. He can play in a shootout. They can score in three plays. And thankfully, Spagnolo went to the 6-1 defense, six defensive linemen, one linebacker. He went to goal line on a fourth down at midfield. Finally, he said it, okay, If he burns my DBs, whatever doesn't matter. We got number 15, and number 15 showed out. Tyreek Hill ran a great route. That was an absolute dart of a touchdown. Um, Honestly, I even forget who else scored because this was really just of one player getting pressed, getting pressed with a deficit in a game, and he just shook it off, no sweat. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. Right now in Kansas City, you're headed to the Super Bowl. You deserve it, and you got a bright, bright future for about the next 15 years. On the other side of things, we had the San Francisco 49ers, and we had the Green Bay Packers, and what a dud. Oh, my gosh. It all came to fruition, just as I suspected. I gave them credit. I gave them credit after last week. When they won the football game against Seattle, I don't know why, because it went as pretty much I expected. Seattle ran out of gas. I guess, you know, anytime you win a game in the NFL, you deserve credit, but the defense that I thought was suspect entering the playoffs, it ended up being suspect. Mike Pettin was awful, okay? He has to take a hard look in the mirror after his rushing defense got pounded for 230 yards by an undrafted free agent, which for anyone who's been watching the 49ers, Raheem Moore-Stort, uh, you know, he's been playing well. It's not like he's been an unknown, but this was definitely the coming out part of his best game of his career. And he only forced Jimmy Garoppolo to throw eight times during the football game. That's just, that's not good. Okay. That is an embarrassing playoff loss. Um, I, I think the Packers are in a pretty good spot as an organization, but, I mean, anytime you just don't show up. They, I mean, they didn't show up twice against the same team in one year. Anytime that happens, you got really got to look at things, you know, from a coaching staff standpoint, like, what are we doing wrong here? Because while the players didn't play well, this is more on us. So Matt LaFleur, I mean, one day are we going to look back and say, remember when Matt LaFleur made it to the conference title game? Yeah, like we may forget that because it could be an outlier. They won 14 games this year. Like I said, they're not in a bad spot, but they didn't show up twice against the same team. Now, are the 49ers that good? Maybe. Maybe. Because I think this is the best team to give Kansas City fits. I'll get to that later on in the show. But they are a very, very, very balanced team. We hear it every year about the best team that can win in multiple ways and is quote-unquote balanced. This team really is one of the stronger teams as far as winning the game in every facet. You want to run power football? We can do that. You want to run finesse football? We can do that. Outside zone, inside zone, traps, counters, throw the football, intermediate, short, play-action, pass. We got a mobile quarterback. We got the best route runners collectively as a wide receiver core. Kittle, Sanders, Debo. This is a doggone good football team. It was on display, but they didn't even display it in every way. It was just their running game. Tevin Coleman, out, injury. Probably not going to play in the Super Bowl. Well, that's okay. That's okay. We got Breeda, who fumbles the football all the time. But we also have this other guy who's been on six teams who can pound it 29 times for 230 yards on the ground. Niners, man, Kyle Shanahan... It's really funny that there were individuals out there that thought he was on the hot seat if he didn't make the playoffs this year. It's like, really? After you lose your quarterback, your starting quarterback for $28 million per year in 2018, and you take over a god-awful roster in 17 after Chip Kelly was in there for a year? I mean, this was... my. I mean, don't forget, this was one of the worst-run organizations from, like, 2014 until Shanahan got there. I mean, just three years of futility from Jed York and Trent Balky and Colin Kaepernick on the field, off the field. It was just like, this is just not run well. I mean, this is bad. You had Tom Sula in for a year. You had Chip Kelly in for a year. Now we got Shanahan. I mean, he was in a very, very dark place. Not Shanahan himself, but the organization. He came out, turned on the lights. And now the Rushmore organization, San Francisco, is up there with Pittsburgh Steelers, Dallas Cowboys. you got to throw New England up there now. These are the Rushmore franchises of the NFL, and they're back in the big game. And it really was just a a no-show by Green Bay once again. And while San Francisco wasn't firing on all cylinders, I don't think, just because, again, they were just rushing it up the gut, it does prove... Because of this game and every other game leading up until this point, they're a bad team because if you force them to play left-handed, they can play left-handed. That wasn't the case with Tennessee. So, come Super Bowl time, when Kansas City's kicking off and they want to force a team to play a different way, well, you got a team that can play every way in San Francisco. It's going to be an incredible game. It was a solid conference title game on Sunday, title day, I should say. Wasn't great, it was solid. Chiefs, congratulations. Niners, congratulations. Cannot wait for February 2nd. Okay, the big news of today was the Hall of Fame. Two individuals, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, inducted to the Hall of Fame for the 2020 class. Congratulations to both of them. Um, you know, I'm not one of those where I'm never going to be upset if I don't agree someone should get in. I'll only, you know, state my argument as to why I wouldn't vote for him, but If everybody else thinks if the majority vote is that he should be in the Hall of Fame, well, then okay, I can live with that under a certain couple rules, which I'll get on to later when it pertains to the Hall of Fame. But for Larry Walker, he got in at seventy six point six percent. He got a three hundred and four votes. So 10th year on the ballot. Walker gets in. I can live with it. Would I have voted for him? No, I don't think he played enough. I think availability is an underrated part in baseball. It's not the Coors Field factor, though I do think it benefited him. I know there's park-adjusted stats, but the fact that you do have the ball coming in, the fact that you can operate under the fact that you're playing at Coors Field and the ball is going to fly, it helps you hit better. My big issue with Larry Walker is his availability. He didn't play his season's Weren't long enough. He only played 150-plus games once in his career. Derek Jeter, on the other hand, 12 years of 150-plus games. He played the outfield, and he was a solid right fielder. He was a very good base runner, Larry Walker. To me, he was just Hall of very good, but upon further review for the last 10 years, others think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, he's in. I can live with it. But Derek Jeter, 997 of the total votes he got 396 of 397 there was one individual gosh i hope we learn his name i just i i cannot believe that someone is this arrogant this big of a jerk to throw in a ballot when it, you know when you can make the argument that with the rule of 10 that sometimes you have to leave someone off for the sake of, you know, throwing a vote to another. It, it wasn't that case. That That wasn't the case this year, okay? There was plenty of room. There's obvious ones that just don't deserve to be there. And yet, you leave Derek Jeter off. I don't know if it was uh, an abstain ballot. I don't know if anyone handed in a blank ballot. But that just irritates me to know. And Derek Jeter is, you know, he, he's almost underrated, Okay. He's got the sixth most hits all time in the live ball era. He's got the 11th most WAR, which I'm not the biggest fan of WAR, but a lot of people like that statistic. He is a uh, he's a postseason hero, which I always think that that stuff really just adds to your resume more than it actually you know solidifies it. Derek Jeter is just everything you want in baseball character intangibles, leadership, off the field, on the field, how you establish a program. You know, really, it's Patrick Mahomes-style stuff. Patrick Mahomes actually tweeted it out. He goes, how the heck was Derek Jeter not unanimous? I don't know, Pat. I do not know. But those two will be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm okay with both of them. I think Jeter deserves it. Larry Walker, I wouldn't have done it. But it's okay that he's in. The one that I think they really messed up, 70%, 278 votes, Eighth year on the ballot, Kurt Schilling. Here's my thing with Schilling. Is he a nut? Yeah, he's a nut. Do some of his things, some of the things that he tweets out comes out of his mouth. Do I agree with it? No. Do I think it's uh, borderline heinous? Yeah, I do. But the thing about Schilling is he's saying all this post-career. If he would have been saying this stuff during his career while he was a member of baseball... I think it would be a mistake to put him in the Hall of Fame. I think, or excuse me, I think you would have to consider those things if he had done this during his playing career or if he was a coach or if he was working in the front office. But Kurt Schilling is doing this after the fact. He is not a part of baseball anymore. He was, and that's what the Hall of Fame is about, recognizing those who brought great honor to the game, their performance, contributions to their team, contributions overall to baseball. So, Curt Schilling has the best strikeout to walk out strikeout to walk ratio of all time. He has 3 second place finishes in the Cy Young because he was blocked by just extraordinary talent in Pedro and Roger Clemens, uh, and even RJ Randy Johnson during his era. He he was you know, he was just blocked. It was it was a logjam. Kurt Schilling definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not so upset about what he does now because he's not a member of baseball. It's about the integrity clause is about when you were with the team. Barry Bonds, I'm not putting him in. I'm not. He cheated the game. Any person who uses steroids is a cheater. I don't think breaking the rules should be negotiable when bestowing the highest honor in all of the sport. That's Barry Bonds, that's Gary Sheffield, that's Roger Clemens. They are out. Manny Ramirez, obviously, cheated many times. Alex Rodriguez, he's out. Andy Pennant, you know him. He used HGH. I don't think HGH is the same as steroids. But, while I don't have a whole lot of evidence to prove that HGH improves your performance, it definitely heals you up. So you can get back on the field. Therefore, that is an enhancement. Andy Pennant can't put you in. Sammy Sosa can't put you in. I just don't understand why people want to compromise the integrity of sport. Fair play. We just had a huge scandal come down on the Houston Astros. They're getting hammered. Their GM's gone. Their coach is gone. Their draft picks are gone. Five million is gone to the owner, which is nothing. But it goes to show... The whole reason we sit down is that it is an even playing field. We want to see my best versus your best. And because the baseball writers and media coverage are complicit in the entire thing and just want to wash it away and put the best players in the hall, because that's what they think it is. They just think it's, you know, the best players are what we're representing here. No, you're representing the entirety of the sport. You're representing everyone. The Hall of Fame is not just a talk about the Hall of Fame. It's about the third-year minor leaguer trying to make the team out of spring training in 1992. He's trying his best. He worked out all offseason to get there. But then the other guy who was invited to camp used steroids. And he knows he's using steroids. He's not saying a thing. He's playing the game clean. There's two guys, one dirty, one clean. And the dirty guy gets the job. And he gets the money. And he gets the career. By letting people in the Hall of Fame who did the same thing and who were better players, better performance-wise, you're saying that's okay. We're not the morality police here. Ty Cobb is always the worst example that I get on this. Well, What about Ty Cobb? He was a racist. Yeah, he was a crummy individual. I agree. But society changes, custom changes, I'm talking about fair play. Fair play. I'm not letting steroid users in the Hall of Fame. It's so much more than that. And I'm glad that, once again, Bonds, 60.7%. Roger Clemens, a tick above, 61 flat percent. Gary Sheffield, 30.5%. I'm glad they are not getting in. I'm glad they're going to fall off the ballot. And then we'll take it to the errors committee to see if they get in. But for right now, riders are not voting them in. Correct move. Derek Jeter, congratulations. Larry Walker, congratulations. There is no room in the Hall of Fame for steroid users. Sticking with baseball, got MLB Network on the background. Really get jazzed up for the season. Really just a short couple months away. Before you know it, catchers and pitchers will be reporting. And can't wait to get the season going. Cardinals, their third base situation, appears like they're not going to make a move, but there is that third baseman in Colorado. He's making some noise. He's calling out his GM. He's calling out the front office fairly uh, ambiguously. He's saying he feels disrespected, but then he's not going into details on uh, Jeff Breidick, the general manager, I think I'm saying that name correctly, and the Rockies organization overall. He as close as it gets to demanding a trade without demanding a trade. And it, it just makes me want to bring clarity the whole thing. You know, I think Arnado is a special player, seven-time gold gloves. I think he's about 40% better than the rest of the league, maybe 30% or so. But this guy has to remember, you started all this. You started all this. You signed an eight-year deal, 260 mil, coming off two postseason with the Rockies back-to-back the team made the playoffs and then about mid-season when things weren't going well you got mad at the front office because they didn't make a move at the deadline even though their flexibility was pretty tight even though guys were underperforming a large core of the roster from the 18 team and the 17 team still intact not living up to expectations you got upset and you suggested that you would ask for a trade if things didn't change. The guy that they signed to all that money to be a leader, to stick around through thick and thin, to be a Rocky, you decided that when things got tough, uh, I'm going to voice my opinion about how I don't want to be here. You signed a contract. I believe in honoring contracts. I also believe in free market. But you signed a contract, and then when things get tough... You decide to lurch, and then you did it at the end of the year. You said it feels like a rebuild just because the owner came out and said there's not going to be a splash signing. Well, newsflash, sometimes the splash signing isn't the correct one, and it's definitely not the correct one for the Colorado Rockies right now. But they've done nothing but add talent over the last two years to improve their team, and now Nolan Arenado is saying he feels disrespected because the executives won't put – to bed here until recently that he was not in trade rumors. I mean, I guess that's not what Arnado's talking about necessarily because he won't tell us because he's deciding to come out and say that he's ticked off, but then he won't explain himself, which, yeah, you don't really have a whole lot of spine when you do that. You know, I, I just think this really comes up as, you know, small on his part. If you're going to be upset, why don't you say the reason why? Elaborate a little bit. Otherwise, just don't say anything. Doesn't help your case. You just look like a complainer. You sound like a guy who thinks he knows what he's talking about when it comes to running the organization, but then doesn't offer any idea as to how they should go about it. Jeff Rydick is an underrated general manager. He's kept the Rockies afloat. Dick Monfort is an underrated owner in baseball. I'm pretty sure the Rockies are like third in attendance over the last couple of years. They're a pretty doggone good franchise. They don't win the most games, but they're a pretty doggone good franchise. Arenado kind of looks bad in this one. I think he would have been better off just not saying anything. Okay, real, real, real early Super Bowl preview. Going to really break that down next week. But, you know, first things first, I think Chiefs are going to win the football game. I really think Andy Reid, two weeks to prepare, just like a bye week. And Kyle Shanahan, obviously no slouch. But Andy Reid, two weeks to prepare. Patrick Mahomes playing in a way that he hasn't played before in the conference title game with his legs, making a couple special throws, not making several throws, just proves his foot wasn't even on the gas. His foot wasn't even on the gas, and if he has to Put it full throttle, he will, and he hasn't played a bad game yet, so it's hard not to pick them. Early score prediction, 34-27 Chiefs. Niners put up a fight. I think that Jimmy G, not going to say that he's due for an interception, but he does throw a lot of interceptions where he doesn't see the field. He doesn't see the second level too good. I think the Chiefs could give him fits in that area, especially with Spagnolo again having the extra preparation time. Now Robert Sala was a head coaching candidate, didn't get it for the Browns. They went with Kevin Stefanski, excuse me, Stefanski, and he's got the boys playing well. I think they got a defensive line that's fast, that's big, that's tough, that could give the Chiefs fits. I think they have the makeup. If it happens. I would be somewhat surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. I really think, you know, when it comes down to it, with weather not involved, which is going to be an interesting factor down in South Florida. If you get a rain shower at some point during the game, about 5 o'clock, right when the game's starting, that becomes an element. I just really like where the Chiefs are at right now. You know, middle of the season, I think Niners would have a better shot. Niners have played a very complete game. But it's really a situation where Chiefs can put up so many points at any point at which they're on the field that you got to feel really good about a winning this game. I do think, though, that with Kyle Shanahan, he's going to put up points on his side of the ball, and I don't think they're going to turn the ball over. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be just a boneheaded move by Jimmy, and he's just played so well at this point You know, I I think it's going to be a heck of a game. And I know that's easy to say when we're at the championship, when we're at the last one. But it it really is because of where both teams are right now. Sometimes you win ugly. These teams haven't really won ugly yet. They haven't really played ugly all year. I mean, for the Chiefs, when they lost, it's because they were banked up. I mean, they they weren't healthy. And now they're fully healthy. I know the Niners got to worry about uh, Coleman, But, I mean, they got a million running backs that are good, that can do the job. It's going to be really interesting. Can't wait for this game once again. Early prediction, 34-27, Kansas City takes home their second world championship. Appreciate everyone listening. Thanks so much. A little quick hitter here today. We're going to take a deeper dive into it next week, Super Bowl week. All the nuts and bolts between matchups, prop bets, final scores everything you need to know for the super bowl next week we're going to take a very deep dive into it cannot wait chiefs niners going to be a heck of a one down in miami thanks so much y'all hit me up with your questions at pete4c twitter snapchat instagram whatever you got hit me up read them right here on the show we'll talk to you next week